You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. If you own a vehicle with less than 200,000 miles and have an auto warranty about to expire or no warranty coverage at all, listen up. CarShield has a low-cost, month-to-month vehicle protection plan that covers more parts than ever. Visit carshield.com audio to find out how you could pay almost nothing for covered auto repairs. Drivers who activate this vehicle protection today will also receive free roadside assistance, free towing, and car rental options at no additional cost. Get your free quote today at carshield.com audio. That's carshield.com audio. Hello, and welcome to another fabulous episode of Dear Multi-Hyphenate. I'm your host, Michael Kushner, and I'm so excited to bring this fabulous episode to you. Oh my gosh, BroadwayCon was so, so, so fun. I was only there Saturday, but ah, it's just amazing seeing so many people travel for this thing that we all love, and there's so many different types of fans, right? There's the fans that saw Carol Channing in Hello, Dolly, and then there's the fans that love contemporary theater, and then there's, you know, there's just so many, there's theater educators and uh, small business owners, it's just amazing, and uh, it's just, you know, it always puts a smile on my face, and seeing the incredible talent, and just, it's just so wonderful, so if you were at BroadwayCon and uh, said hi, I'm so glad that you did. I met so many listeners to this ep- to this podcast. Um, and if you didn't, why not? Why didn't you say hi? Um, but if not, I hope to see you next year at Broadway Con. Uh, I had two panels. Uh, I had my photographer-videographer panel, which was so fun. That was with Jenny Anderson, Joan Marcus, Michael Hull, and Rebecca Michelson. And then we had this panel, which was a live podcast episode with Broadway Podcast Network featuring... Tony nominee, El Morgan Lee, Lucille Lortel winner, Marla Mandel, Al Silber, and Rachel Wright. Uh, I'm going to keep the intro short because I just want to get into the episode because it's just so, um, it's a great one, but a reminder that, um, you know, I'm teaching my workshop. <laughs> I was like, what am I talking about? All oh, right, okay. I'm teaching my workshop multi-hype with my two co-teachers and wonderful collaborators and friends, Ashley Kate Adams and Kimberly Faye Greenberg. Uh, it is a it is a workshop about becoming a multi-hyphenate and you walk out with tangible, uh, t- tangible things to help start your small business or start your producing endeavor. You know, it's, it's we really sort of transform how you approach the industry uh, in just three short days. Um, So we start August 31st. The workshop is a week. We give you two days off in between, you know, the Monday and Wednesday class and the Wednesday and Friday class so that you can do your homework and assignments. And then we have a big presentation on Friday that's just like, it's so great, so supportive. And you walk away with an amazing um, ensemble, community of fellow multi-hyphenates. So if you want more of that, you can, you know, 
email multihypeworkshop at gmail.com or follow me on Instagram at the Michael Kushner or at Dear Multihyphenate and drop a message, drop a drop drop a question. You know, I always love to hear from you. I'm super accessible on social media. I respond to just about every message. And um it would be great to hear from you. And please rate, subscribe, comment, do all of that good stuff. It really is important. So, you know, help, help me out, please. Um, I also just want to say, like, it's summer and, uh, you know, I wear swoveralls um, when I'm in the studio, but also when I'm editing, when I'm just, when I'm, even when I'm going out, they're, they're super cute. And swoveralls are sweatpant overalls and no one knows that they're sweatpant material. They look super fun, super classy, and they're great for so many different events. I've even walked the red carpet in them in, uh, in, in some opening nights. So, um, but we love them. My husband and I wear them all the time. I have so many different pairs. I have the black ones. I have the uh, the pink lemonade ones. I have the burnt orange ones. I mean, they're just so great. Perfect gifts for people too. And uh, they have Swovey shorts now, which is perfect for the summer because this summer is wild. But please go to swoveralls.com and get your pair of Swoveralls. They're, you, you could do anything in them, truthfully. And you could be a multi-Ivan in them. So let's get into the episode Again, thanks to my panelists for being on this fabulous episode. Thanks for listening. Rate, subscribe, comment, do all of that good stuff. And if you wanna, if you wanna hear from someone on the podcast, message me. Tell me. Uh, I would probably love to have them. Okay, enjoy the episode. Oh, hello! I think we're gonna start. Hi, BroadwayCon 2023. Yeah. This is exciting. Oh my gosh. How is everyone doing? Yeah. Was anyone here for the first Broadway Con where there was a snowstorm? Yeah. Uh, yeah, that was good. That was a good one. I miss it. Um, uh, it's really hot. Okay, so anyway, hi. Um, my name is Michael Kushner, and I am the... Hello. Oh, we, we love a woo. Um, I feel like I'm back at Frenchwoods when I was uh, popular for three summers only. Mm-hmm. And so anyway, um, I, uh, I am the host of Dear Multi-Hyphenate on the Broadway Podcast Network. And another whoop. Thank you so much. Um, put that in uh, motion on Apple Podcasts and leave a review. Thank you. And um, so I... This is like my favorite discussion. Last year, we had incredible artists on this panel and I was like how am I going to top it and then I found these incredible artists on the street and um, they yes I yes I don't have any previous relationship with these people Um, just kidding Uh, uh, I am joined by four incredible women on this panel and we're going to share stories about certain things that we talk about in the industry that don't that aren't mainstream conversations. And, and it's, it's a business conversation, but it's a real, um, real fun uh, business conversation. So we're gonna get into it. Um, let's do uh, the intro. Hello, and welcome to a very special episode of Dear Multi-Hyphenate, live from BroadwayCon 2023. Yeah. 
by being in our audience today, you are part of a live recording of the podcast, so please feel free to laugh, <laughs> applaud, and react along with us. You will also see a game card on your seat. As you enjoy BroadwayCon today, we hope you'll play along with us to complete your, your Get Miked Challenge and come back to see our Broadway Podcast Network team for a very special prize. Make sure you're also following us at Broadway Podcast, oh my god, hello, Broadway Podcast Network for the latest updates on what we're up to at Broadway Con. Now let's get started. Um, so let's start on the right, stage right. We have Rachel Wright. Rachel is a distinguished psychotherapist and renowned speaker with expertise in modern relationships, mental health, and sex. Her mission is to help people live happier, healthier lives by providing insights and practical advice in a relatable and engaging way. With a master's degree in clinical psychology, Rachel has worked with thousands of clients worldwide, earning a reputation for her empathetic and humorous approach. Her message has resonated with audiences on stages across the globe, as well as on our podcast, The Right Conversations, a podcast about sex, relationships, and mental health. Rachel is also a seasoned educator and coach, having created the virtual workshop series, What You Wish You Learned in School, Sex Ed, and co-produced and hosted a show at the Green Room 42, which I produced with you, mm -hmm. uh, called One Night Stand, A Night for a Sexier and Healthier Broadway. Yes. She was, uh, it was, it was cool. Yeah. It was, it was fierce, oh it was fierce. Super educational and also just like amazing. Um, she also was Shape Magazine Sex and Relationships coach and is currently one of Mind Body Green's article review experts. As a widely recognized mental health and relationship expert, Rachel has been featured in numerous media outlets, including the New York Times, PIX11, Women's Health Online and Print, Cosmopolitan Online and Print, and NBC News Radio, among others. Give it up for Rachel Wright. <laughs> And to my right, I have the fabulous L. Morgan Lee. L. Morgan Lee is a Tony Award-nominated actress and storyteller known for her history-making turn in A Strange Loop on Broadway. In London, she was seen playing famed artist Lily El El Elba. Elba in a, in a musical adaptation of The Danish Girl, currently in development. Other work includes well over a decade of off-Broadway, regional, international, national concerts and tours. In the studio, El Morgan was the voice of, of, of Omati? Ornate. Oh, ornate. That's uh, the, the ink bled together, so it became an M. <laughs> we love that. We of ornate, street, so. right, we just met on the street, so it's <laughs> fine. Of or ornate Williams in Sugar Maple with Fred Savage. And can be found on Joe Iconis's album, The Rainbow Lullaby album, uh, um, Joe Iconis's album, The Rainbow Lullaby album, and more. And then to my, give it up for El Morgan Lee. <laughs> and then to my left, we have Marla Mandel. It's called a receptionist, not a deceptionist. Stop fucking lying to me. I love that line so much. It's a good one. Marla Mandel is an actress, writer, and composer. She won the 2023 Lucille Lortel Award for Best Performer in a Musical for her portrayal of Celine Dion in the hit off-Broadway musical, Titanic. Ugh, it's amazing. As a co-writer, Titanic also, I say Titanic, is that okay? It's Titanic. Titanic. Yeah. <laughs> wow, I... Like Titanic. Yeah. Titanic. Right, yeah. Titanic. Yeah, yeah. 
I just put a Jewish spin on Titanic. Yeah, 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 yeah. As a co-writer, <laughs> Titanic also won the Lucille Lortel for Best Off-Broadway Musical. She has received an Outer Critics, uh, an Outer Circle Critics nomination for a portrayal of Sister Mary, Sister Mary Robert in the original cast of Sister Act on Broadway. She has also appeared as stepsister Gabrielle in the original Broadway company of Cinderella. Oh my God. Other credits include South Pacific, The Drowsy Chaperone. You can see her as resident bitch Olivia in the Emmy-nominated series special on Netflix, which is amazing. She has sold multiple movie and television projects in L.A. with her writing partner, Jonathan Parks. Ramage. Ramage. I want to add, like, a ramage to everything. So. <laughs> and then, to our left, all the way over there, we have Al Silber. <laughs> Al Silber is an actress, singer, writer, and educator. She has performed roles on Broadway in London's West End, on television and film, and concert stages. Among other stage roles in London, she created the role of Laura in The Woman of, in White, played Huddle in Fiddler, and Julie Jordan in Carousel. In New York, she appeared in Hello Again, Masterclass, created the role of Sarah Jane in Arlington, and at Seidel in the Broadway revival of Fiddler on the Roof in 2015. Silver's debut novel, After Anatevka, chronicling what happens to the characters of Huddle and Perchik, made famous by the Shalom Alechem stories, and in the, fiddle, in the musical Fiddler on the Roof, and White Hot Grief Parade, a memoir about losing her father to cancer when she was 18, were both published by Pegasus Books in 2018. Give it up for everyone. <laughs> Let's get the convo started. I just have to say really quickly, I wrote to Marla here, help, I'm unqualified. (laughs) No. No. That's the the amazing. Everyone's so amazing. I wrote you are as a joke. I wrote you are as a joke. I felt the same thing. Um, I'm going to keep those. Everyone's so fabulous here. You're all so so unqualified. You're so qualified. (laughs) Well, thank you, Michael. You know, this is my, this is going to be my 92nd episode of this podcast. And I have so many people that are like, I have like recent college grads that are just starting their new business that, Mm -hmm. you know, that are on this trek. And and we're talking about how do you start a small business in the theater? That is just as important as talking about when you won your Tony Award or when you whatever. All of this is how this is the how. This is when people go, so how did you get from point A to point B? This is that podcast. This is that conversation. So yes, you are all qualified. <laughs> um, let's start with the uh, just an opening question. Um, let's start from the left to the right. What is a multi-hyphenate to you? And how do you, um, and how did you engage in being one in the past year? So what's a multi-hyphenate and how have you... Uh, approached that um, that idea in the past year to your work. Let's start with Al. I love it. Um, a multi-hyphenate to me is an unlimited being. An unlimited being that isn't even necessarily an unlimited artist, because I think that's even limiting in, in and of itself. Um, a being that is in the world that is operating from a place of asking, how can I contribute? Mm-hmm. And how can I make the world a better place? Um, and not allowing voices, the voices of they, mm-hmm. as in they say, mm-hmm. um, the voices of they to get in the way of what one thinks, dreams, and believes is possible. And that is what I think a multi-hyphenate is. And the definition is still in progress. Um, <laughs> Always evolving. How have I engaged in it in the past year? 
I don't know how I haven't engaged in that behavior in the past year. Yeah. I think I've tried to, I'm a, I'm a person that really, really tries to uh, identify my values and live them. And one of my values, my values are integrity, courage, and service. And to me, integrity is about doing what you say you're gonna do, not just talking, but walking your talk. And so for me, when it comes to living a multi-hyphenate life, it's really about um, never allowing fear or self-deprecation or the voices of they to get in the way of what I believe is a contribution, either incredibly small, helping out my neighbor in my building, to, yes, I am going to put for forward this three novel arc proposal to my publisher and see if they're gonna buy it. Um, and also helping other people, that to me is also service, helping other people do the same by coming here and going, you can do it too. It's mm -hmm. just about uh, the energy and the thoughts that get you there. So when you talk about integrity and mm -hmm. things like that, like how have you felt you've implemented that in your life and advocated for yourself? Because I think multi-hyphenating is, there's a lot of advocacy that has to happen because we are our own bosses. We are establishing our own shows. We are putting our own shows off Broadway. We are establishing our own businesses. We are creating web series. So there's a lot of advocacy for ourselves and standing in our power. So how have you advocated for yourself recently in terms of integrity? Hmm. Well, <laughs> <laughs> I recently had a very, very fancy job that I quit. <laughs> and thank you for the word. <laughs> yes. And it was, it was agonizing. It was agonizing. And I will say that, um, I want to also say, by the way, that like the actual act of leaving the job was actually very drama-free. Um, I think everyone involved did everything right in terms of that exit. But the internal, I mean, I, I can see the faces here going, oh, that sounds hard, <laughs> you know. Um, the internal drama of the stories that were told about what, uh, Artists, I think also women and people in oppressed groups are supposed to deliver for the big patriarchal white machine, capitalist machine, um, that we are supposed to experience suffering as if that makes us somehow more noble, a better yeah. artist, Anyone right? Anyone have that experience here? Yeah. Yeah. And, and um, not, to, not to just jump right in, but to say, um, some, of, some of you know this about me, some of you do not, but I'll share, and I think a lot of people have experiences like this. I also, in the last eight years, and during the pandemic, went through a really big health scare um, that luckily has been, um, I've been cured of, which is amazing. But I think one of the things that was really amazing about this is that my experience with life or death health things also seemed to align with the great resignation, the labor movements that we're having. And it gave, it presented to me this issue of this job presented itself to me as the appropriate size problem, if that makes sense, right? Going, it's not that this isn't hard, but this is not life or death because I have experienced life or death. Mm -hmm. And actually, if you think about it, we all have. We all went through the pandemic. We all had to think about losing others, losing our a freedom, our autonomy, um, contemplating our actual health. And um, what I realized was that though art is divine and has the power to change the world, that is true. And an equally true thought at the same time is it's just a play. Yeah. 
and that I have fought so hard to be alive, is this what I'm going to fill my hard one days with? And the answer was a very simple no. And so um, all power to that production and may it flourish. I'm sure it will flourish without me and I'm flourishing without it and mazel tov. Yes. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I relate to that because I'm a diagnosed um, COVID long hauler and uh, COVID really fucked me up. And um, navigating uh, what that did was really um, painful because I wasn't able to work the same schedule that I was so, I, I mean, wake up early and go to bed really late and work the whole time and not eat and forget to eat because I, but healing, I was able to take care of myself and remember that being an actor is the least exciting thing about me mm. <laughs> and about us. We're all human beings and there's so much more that comes um, before that and that's healthy living and you know being present on this planet. So thank you for sharing that. Thank you for letting me. Marla, what's, what's a multi-hyphenate to you and how have you been one in the past year? <laughs> Well, I just love that I'm talking to you so much because mm, all of your YouTube views are me and my friends. <laughs> <laughs> From like 20 years ago. Yeah. I'm not to age myself, but yeah. I just did. No, no, no. Um, it's, we're off book for, we're for off book for everything. Oh, good. Yep. 100%. Thank God. Because I've already forgotten. That's how yeah, old yeah, I am. Yeah. <laughs> I am, uh, I'm not going to be nearly as eloquent as, as you, unfortunately. I, I think it's so, I'm so proud. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm so proud to be on this panel for so long. This is crazy, but I had such shame about trying to call myself a multi-hyphenate because nobody, nobody thought of me as that. I struggled so hard in New York while I was doing Broadway shows to say, hey, I have this other passion and it's writing. Will you read my script? Do you want to develop it? And nobody did. And then I went to Los Angeles and I gave up musical theater and I was just writing. And I said, but wait a second, I can also perform too. I'm a singer. Do you want to see me audition for anything? And, and for... I battled this dichotomy of being in one box for the last 20 years. And so to finally have something that represents me as a singer, as a, as a, <laughs> a mover, as a, as a writer, <laughs> not a dancer, a singer strong, that moves, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, that is what I've spent the last year doing, is proving finally to myself, because you start to not even believe in yourself. You start to think, maybe I'm, maybe I'm not worthy of this. Maybe I should only stick to one thing. So I think a multi-hyphenate is being able to say, no, goddammit, I, I am more than just one thing, and I will prove it to you. And um, so, yeah, I hope that that makes sense. But yeah. for the last year, like, the proof is in the pudding of, of, of Titanic. I mean, that is, that is the, the most beautiful Venn diagram of what I do. And I just, for anybody that's struggling or does not believe in themselves, you just have to keep going. Because one day it will happen, and it will be the most glorious thing of your whole lives. So just don't, never stop. Never stop. <laughs> That that is the, has has as have has anyone seen Titanic in this room? It's it's un it's crazy. It's I still gotta see it. Yeah, oh, you gotta see it. Everyone's talking about it. Oh, good. For and and rightly so because it is one of the. So you know I'm gonna go into the, this question, but I want to preface it by saying you know what I so love about Titanic is um is uh, okay. I'm gonna work on my Celine. Um, so um uh, is the fact that. The, la the first character introduced in the show is the audience. And that there's so many times we'll watch something and we'll watch as an audience member, 
the actors have such a great time and it feels like an inside joke and we're like, wow, what a great inside joke. That was fun. But with Titanic, the audience is in on the joke. We are the we are the first character introduced and it feels like you take care of us. Mm -hmm. The way that it's written and created, you took care of us. And that's what we need to do with audiences is take care of each other. We're all here together. But you're talking about that tug of war between yourself and the industry, but what about your col collaboration when you were creating the show? Like when did you feel that there was Marla the actor and Marla the creator and when did you sort of find the situation when it was okay to speak up as both, one or the other, how did you navigate that? It's, it's very funny, I, I moved, I left musical theater, I had done it for, you know, eight years consistently, and we all know what that life is like, it's wonderful, it's fabulous, but when you have other aspirations, you have to like go, you have to shoot for the moon. So I left to primarily be a writer, and, and I was really struggling with writing in Los Angeles. And then I found myself at this very low budget dinner theater in Los Angeles that was doing these uh, movie to musical parodies. And I started working with friends just to do this for fun. So there has never, it's, it's funny because yes, we have created this, but it, it was so collaborative that we are like an amoeba and we think of each other as one brain. Now, let me tell you something. When I started doing the show, I did not realize that there are so many other business aspects that you don't even think of. You think mm -hmm. of, oh, my dream is to like write a show and be in the show. You don't think of, oh, what about recasting it? We have to do rewrites. There's problems with company members. Not that that happened in our shows, but, but just to give you an example, just there's so many little uh, minutia that you don't even think about. So. During the first year that I, that I performed the show, I, I really had to actually maintain more of an actor role and just give all of the um, creative stuff to the director. But now that I'm out of the show and I can come go watch it, I can like give notes and I, nice. I feel like I'm more, <laughs> I feel like I'm, I'm more on the uh, creative side. But it's, it's been crazy because you think, oh my God, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be able to do everything. I'm going to have all the power, all the control. And you actually, you can't. <laughs> You're just too exhausted. So that, that's been the, the really interesting thing that I, I never would have known had I not done it. Wow, that's yeah. awesome. Thank you, Marla, for that. I mean, yeah, the, the, one, the one brain that you talk about, it's so prevalent on stage because you're, everyone is living and breathing together. It is a real, I mean, I just can't wait to see it 800 more times and I really just hope you run past January. But, um, but, I, but I think that's because what, what we did in, in Los Angeles is, was it just silly, stupid, just to make each other laugh. Yeah. And because we were in a dinner theater, you know, people are, you know, eating a burger and drinking a glass of wine. And so you sit on their laps and you just kind of drink their wine for, well, this was pre-pandemic. Yeah. But, um, <laughs> but, you know, you just, you just included them. And so what ended up happening with this show is we never wanted to lose that. We never wanted to lose the intimacy and feeling like it, this was actually just like this fun secret that we were all stumbling into together. And so that's why I think we have become, and we have remained, um, just so diligent about including the audience, yes. as opposed to it just being like a regular proscenium show where you're just performing. It's you know? amazing. Yeah. It's just so great. Thank you for that. Of course. Um, Morgan, hi. Hello. Um, what's a multi-hyphenate to you? It's interesting. I, similar to you, I, I sort of fought this idea of being a multi-hyphenate. Even in our initial conversation, I was like, yeah. Episode 46. I, it's like, yeah, I am a multi-hyphenate, but I don't really want to talk about it because people will think if you do more than one thing, then you are somehow it's not capable stigma. of doing yeah. one of those things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and so 
to me, a multi-hyphenate is someone who is not afraid to stay in the box. Mm. Um, who, is, who is not afraid to, to get out of the box, who yes. feels trapped in mm -hmm, that box. Mm -hmm. um, got to stay in the box. Um, <laughs> um, we don't want to condone staying in the box. Yeah. Um, Unless you're a cat. Right. <laughs> um, yeah, there's just there's the there's just the idea that there's the idea that I'm not able to do all of the things, um, and I realized for me personally, it was a matter of sort of if I leaned into acting, if I did anything else, people would feel uncomfortable with the idea of me having an opinion, um, because I'm also a director, and so it's like because I direct and write a little. Um, when you are in the space, it's like having to turn off that director brain because it's almost like you're not allowed to have a POV in this space, even mm. though that POV is very integral to the performances that you see. Um, you know, the, the favorite actors always have a POV. Um, so that's one of the things that uh, stuck in my mind a lot. Uh, I'm also a photographer, so I speak, uh, I think in a very visual way. Um, and that was the big thing when we spoke the first time that I was sort of hesitant about being public with because mm. I feel like that stigma was like mm. very, very strong because you can't be you know, known as an actor and on the same token have someone go, oh, well, she could take your headshots. And so that's actually something, I can't believe I'm saying it out loud here at this table, because it's something I'm actually still dealing with, even more so now. Yeah. Because uh, it's like, you know, if you, look, if you have an actress that you respect, you know, if you, let's use an Audra McDonald as an example, if like if Audra is there and she happens to also take photos of people, you would never be able to just go on a website and book an hour with Audra. Like, it's like, it's, there, is, there is an element, there is an element for a photography. Oh, oh I would. Um, <laughs> I was like, for what? How much? I'll book an hour with the Welcome to my mind. Um, but there, it's, it, there is an element of having to sort of manage sort of how that multi-hyphenate is used, and accessibility is a real thing. You, you actually can't be that accessible in some ways, um, but still wanting to allow those areas to flourish. So, you know, finding the lane of photography that I want to be playing in is more portraiture and more working with people that are sort of outside of the theater community. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, and that's my thing. <laughs> you, you bring up something that I love talking about, and it's the fact that the original, when I was like really starting this work on multi-hyphenating, I Googled, I was like, let me see what a definition is, if there is one. And it was a celebrity that does multiple things. <laughs> And I was like, why? And that we all are. Yeah. 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 I'm a D-list. d celebrity. But yeah. yeah, yeah. We, were all we were all verified on Instagram before you could pay for it. Yeah. So, no. <laughs> So, um, so, uh, so anyway, the, I was like, why, um, why does it have to be a celebrity? Like we look, we uh, when I do workshops on multi-hyphenating with young students, I start with who is a multi-hyphenate in the industry, and people say Lin Manuel Miranda and mm. Mel Brooks and Whoopi mm. Goldberg and you know all of these wonderful, wonderful people. Jason Alexander. We have the mm. Cottage on Broadway, which see it. It is hysterical and wonderful if you are able to see it while you're in town. And um, I was like, why do you have to sort of like graduate into multi-hyphenating? Why can't you start there? And um, also, you know, multi-hyphenating is, I think, primarily made out of people that are from marginalized communities, um, you know, members of the LGBTQI plus community, uh, um, people of color, uh, uh, artists with disabilities, like because 
because we are in an industry that is the straight white man, you know, at the top, um, we have to bring our stories forward. We are the ones that have to write them. We have to then figure out how to fund them and, and f figure out how to get them forward. So if you think about a multi-advent in the industry, chances are they are a Jewish person. They are a member of the LGBTQIA plus community. They are a person of color. It's just, um, it's because we're getting our stories out there. But I really was like, I, how can we start as multi-ivanets? How can we, f you know, it, it is a business. It is a, it, is a, it is a small business. And it's not about taking, being an actor, photographer, producer, writer, pot, whatever. It's not about taking jobs from other people. It is about leaning into our power. It's actually really socially responsible because we're creating jobs. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. We're, it's, it's, it's lucrative. And when we are working on projects, we are hiring people. We are paying them. It is literally creation of jobs, which is really kind of cool. But speaking of small business, you know, on episode 46, we had an interesting conversation about how we run our businesses. And you said that when it comes to money, you are a leave it on the table kind of a person. And I'm like, deposit, you have to pay before the photo shoot. It is a very like, it is like regulated. And I was so interested to learn that. So since we talked, has that changed at all in any aspect of your career? Absolutely. Go on. <laughs> I mean, I, it's crazy to even know that I said that. <laughs> like, that I, that I had the idea of, oh God, and this was a couple years ago? It was about a year and a half. Well, it's year, like pre-Broadway, post-Broadway. <laughs> yeah. It was so, like, so, so, so before Broadway, I was very much like, oh no, oh my God, money is such, such an awkward conversation. I just, just, I know you're gonna pay, just leave it there and then we'll go, it's cool. Post-Broadway, no, you're gonna give me my money. And like, we're actually going to like have a really stern conversation about how much money I'm going to be receiving. Yeah, right, yeah. It's like, it's, you know, <laughs> when one is taken advantage of in some way, yeah, you yeah. suddenly grow those, that skin that you didn't have before. And that's like, a, it's interesting that you said that multi-hyphenates tend to come from, uh, I've been saying historically unresearched groups. Ah, um, this, I, this, I, this idea of marginalized doesn't feel quite right and historically forgotten doesn't feel right, but historically unresearched is kind of right on that Love like people it. are mm -hmm. talking about these groups but no one's going into the groups to actually have the conversations. Um, and people are there. It's not like no one's out here. Um, but it's interesting that those groups are the ones who tend to fall into this multi-hyphenate world because we're also not seen as much, and so there's a need for our stories. Mm -hmm. We feel that void that's present, why our stories are not being told. Um, and we have to pay our rent, we have to pay our bills. <laughs> so you figure out the things that you're able to do to pay the bills. Yeah. And like that's the thing with photography for me, is I, I stumbled into it because I was like temping somewhere and like writing a play on the side, and I was like, I need to do something that people can't judge. I need to do something that's just for me. Yes. Um, and photography became that thing. And sort of as people were like, oh, wow, you have a cool eye. I was like, well, wait, I could take headshots with this and like quit this temp job situation. Yeah, I love it. Um, and so that's ended up, that ended up what happened. That's what happened. Um, now I am sort of stepping away from the headshot situation <laughs> yeah. because that's a little awkward. Right. Um, but I still have to hold on to the photography so that it's for me. Yeah. yeah. That's beautiful. I mean, I've you know I've been such a fan of your work for so many years because we go back about mm -hmm. ten years now with the creation of Musical Theater Factory, and that's where Strange Loop was incubated. Yes, give it up for Musical Theater Factory. Um, and I've just been such a fan of your work for so long, watching you uh, 
watching you perform, but also navigate your photography and be protective of your photography and your art, which is so, so important, especially as multi-hyphenate. So thank you, Elle Morgan, so much for that. Thank you. Hi, Rachel. Rachel. Hi, Michael. What's a multi-hyphenate to you, and how have you implemented that in the past year? Oh, damn. Um, <laughs> I'm last. I should have had this prepared. So I have the word and tattooed on my arm right here and to me that is what <laughs> I said you win <laughs> that's what a multi-hyphenate is it's it's a reminder to me that two things that seemingly could be opposite or dissonant can coexist at the same time and not only can they coexist but they so often do you know we can feel nervous and excited uh excited we can be scared. yes exactly thank you um i said that once but I'll, that's a different time um i made that joke at the with the wrong audience and i like sang it and i just got like I was like, oh, no. Yeah, <laughs> check, please. Yeah, check, please. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I need to leave now. Um, so it's about the and. And how have I engaged with it? It's like, how do I, like, like you said, how do I not? It's, it's literally who I am. Um, I grew up doing theater, and my mom was an actress, and I, like, grew up in rehearsal spaces. And it wasn't until I was, like, mid-20s that I actually decided, like, okay, I have to pick. And to become a therapist, I did have to pick. Like, there was this reality of, like, I had to do 3,000 hours and get a master's degree and do all these trainings, and there was, like, no shot in hell I was going to be able to, like, go continue to, like, do voice lessons, do moving lessons. Um, <laughs> to be very clear, that's, like, the number one reason I did not continue into theater. Um, I was like, no, nah, no. Nah. Uh, and so I, I picked psychology because I knew that I could end that with my love of theater in some way. I did not know what that would look like at all. And frankly, a lot of people were like, you're going to lose your passion. Like you love theater. And I was like, yeah, but not enough to do it for my career to not become a therapist. Mm -hmm. And then I finally got to move out to New York, which I had wanted to do. And all of my friends were in theater, both from childhood, everybody I met, then I'd meet their friends, they were in theater, and like all of a sudden, my entire world was surrounded with people I grew up with and friends and new friends, and I was like, oh, this is funny. Like, it's starting to become this and. And then I started doing speaking events, and all of my clients became theater people, and like, I was going on these, and it's, it's truly something that feeds my life every day whether I am sitting in an audience or I'm helping, uh, you know, behind the scenes with intimacy coordination or talking to people about writing someone's mental health journey in a way that is appropriate and accessible, which we so desperately need, um, or working with people to make sure that people are treated fairly while creating a production and that their mental health is staying intact because often it's not. Um, there's just so much, and to be able to fuse this love of relationships and sex and mental health with my love of the arts is something that I am so grateful for every day. Um, so that's how I've engaged with it. That's beautiful. That. Thanks. So, um, so for you, Rachel, I, you know, you you mentioned that you have a, a background in performing and theater loving as a youngster. Yeah. Now, when I asked you if you wanted to do that show, One Night Stand, which was yeah. really cool, um, 
what were your what were your thoughts about it? Like, were you tentative? Were you hesitant? Were you excited and immediately yes? And like, how did you seamlessly blend? It was so amazing. How did you seamlessly blend sex therapy with Broadway and also create like create an evening that was deliverable to an audience? It wasn't just like we were like, oh, cool conversation. It was like we were all part of it and we all got to learn something about it. How May did I you also add, I'm so sorry, also in the format of a cabaret, which is its own art form, yeah. right? Like it's it's not exactly theater, yeah. which I just, you know, as another hyphen, I yeah. just want to <laughs> say. I gotta tell you, I think I blacked the fuck out. <laughs> I, I like, I don't know what, ha I sat down to create the outline for the show. Michael and I like kind of brainchilded the idea together and I sent Michael the outline and he was like, that's perfect, I have no notes. And I was like, ah! <laughs> and I asked a couple of my friends that had done some Broadway stuff and they were like, yes, absolutely, I'll come, I'll come sing. And I got up there and it was the simultaneous moment of like, you're backstage and you're like, oh my God, I've rehearsed this a hundred times, but like, what's my first line? Oh. Like that moment so also combined with like, I'm exactly where I need to be. And like, this is perfect and everything is perfect. Both of those happened at once. And then all of a sudden we were done and Michael comes up to me and he's like, hey, there was a reviewer from Broadway World in the <laughs> audience. And I was like, are you fucking serious? Always. And then it came out, this review came out, and I'm like sitting on my couch sobbing. It was like a new era of cabaret, like come see the show. And we were gonna do a residence, anyway, it's a long story. Um, but it, it, yeah, it was really special. And I think that again, it's this and. It's like, I have learned what people need to learn and I've learned what people need to change, and I've learned what people need to be entertained. Mm -hmm. And so to fuse those together and to bring people into a space that's non-judgmental, empathetic, loving, supportive, fun, right? To be able to be like, yeah, pussy, haha, -ha. <laughs> you know? And like not have everybody be like, oh my God, did she just say pussy? You know, like, which I'm sure some of you just felt, which is totally okay. Um, like that's important and so to be able to talk about these things and like we had dr heather come on and like we literally talked about herpes for like 15 minutes and we the whole audience was like laughing and we were just like and like i threw vibrators out into the audience like at the breaks in between songs and all of the songs were about sex and like uh, the actors that? who sang them <laughs> picked like it was like touch me from spring awakening and it, it was just this unbelievable night of like self-awareness and sexuality. Um, yeah, I want to do that like 1,500 more times. It was so fun. If I had to sing a song about sex, I would probably sing Tradition. Yeah. <laughs> For me, my sex. Oh, okay, yeah. sorry. No. <laughs> um, so, okay, so that's amazing. Hey, Drew Scott here, and I'm Jonathan Scott, reminding you that life's better with a home policy from American Family Insurance. They can help you get just the right protection at just the right price and help you save when you bundle home and auto. Kind of like Goldilocks and the Three Bears. It'll be just right for you. We love a custom build. American Family Insurance. Insure carefully. Dream fearlessly. Get a quote and find an agent at AmFam.com. Products not available in every state. Visit AmFam.com to learn how discounts may apply to you. American Family Mutual Insurance Company, S.I. and its operating company, 6000 American Parkway, Madison, Wisconsin. America, we are endowed by our creator with certain unalienable rights, life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. 
Grand Canyon University, we believe in equal opportunity, and the American dream starts with purpose. To serve others in ways that promote human flourishing and create a ripple effect of transformation for generations to come, find your purpose at Grand Canyon University. Private. Christian. Affordable. Visit gcu.edu. Now, but why, why multi-hyphenating? Why now? Like, what, and if you disagree with it, like, if you're like, no, we should we should take a step back and we should all focus on one thing again, whatever that is, whatever. I'm open for discussion. Um, but why now? Why is multi-hyphenating so important now? And why uh, should we keep going with it? And what does it mean for the industry? Aren't we tired of seeing the same things over and over again? Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, I mean, if, if, if even that was the only reason, it's so more than enough. Yeah. Um, we, don't, we don't get to see through the lens of different people. And I think that's like a major reason to explore your sort of, wherever in the multi-hyphenate world you lean, there's an excuse to explore that more deeply because your lens is important because we probably don't get to see it. Right. I'll add to that and say, um, also piggybacking off of what everyone has said about being a multi-hyphenate. Why now, We're, we're living longer than ever. Right, and if one were to take, you know, use a, and again, Rachel, you are the expert here, but like once upon a time, (laughs) monogamy was one person for life, and now it's one person at a time, and maybe not even that, and da da, da, you know, like basically we're living so long, and not necessarily even taking into consideration that we might change over time, which of course Mm -hmm. is an inevitability, that we grow sideways that we become different versions of who we are. And um, I'll say this, and I I wonder if any of you feel this as well, which is when I was a young person, my Detroit public school education provided me with actually really wonderful opportunities, but the one way in which I could access the arts was through being in the play, being in the musical. I couldn't conceive of a way of participating in the arts that wasn't as a performer. I didn't know Mm. about producing. There was no novel writing club after school. There was no producing class. And though some of those things exist in higher education, which of course is not accessible to everybody because it's Mm. zillion dollars, um, there aren't degrees for multi-hyphenates, right? And if so, I think one of the things, El Morgan, you just brought up is the the accusation that we're dabblers or masters of none, Mm. right? Um, What I'll say is, if we as human beings, our souls, our ourselves are allowed to expand and evolve, then why are our passions and ambitions not allowed to do the same? And um, the th- when not, like I said, when I was a young person, being a performer was the only thing that I realized was my ability to contribute meaningfully to the artistic world. And I no long, I I am wise enough and experienced enough to know that that's no longer the case or the truth, and that that's if that's the old thinking of a teenage me. Um, it's also indicative of old thinking of a world that's behind. And if the world is a little behind, I don't have to be. I can live in that truth and be the example. Um, But yeah, we're allowed to evolve. And so are our ambitions and our passions. I love that. Yeah, I think that like the more that we can show people that it's not dibble dabbling, Mm -hmm. right? Like nobody thinks it's interesting because it's mostly with like compulsive monogamy 
and artistry Mm -hmm. that that's a thing right Mm. right like nobody says oh you have five friends like why right don't you just need one you're like forever till death yeah 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 Yeah. my one friend that I do everything with that meets all my needs and we have all the same hobbies like what yeah so it's totally acceptable to be like yeah I have like 18 friends or 200 friends but the second we say like oh I have three partners you're like "Uh, what Mm -hmm. or like oh I have three jobs or three passions it's like oh well you must not you must not have just found the one you must not have found the job that you're passionate about yet. And it's like this, oh, you haven't found it yet. And the fact is, the more of us that can say, no, I have found it, and I have found multiple its. And so I'm going to keep doing all of those so that someone else can look at you and say, I could do that too. I can do all of that. And on days where I know I have this voice in my head that's like, no, you're not good enough, or, like, look who you're sitting next to. You're not, you don't have credits, like, that, like, I stopped performing at so young, right? Like, these these internal voices that get into our heads, we can then look at other people who are doing it, and that can help be a reflection. So if that's you, like, keep doing it, because you're going to be that reflection for someone else. Mm -hmm. And that's why I personally share so much of my life on social media, is because, like, I want people to know that there are therapists with depression and panic disorder. I want people to know that I'm non-monogamous and I navigate jealousy all the time. Like, I want people to know that these ands exist out there. And so if you have an and and you keep living it, someone else is going to notice, even if they don't tell you. Beautiful. Everyone's Thank going to get and tattoos. Yes. Yeah. yeah, she wins. So that's or this. Shirt. Yes, I like that. So this is all well and good, and I love this conversation. But how how do you implement this? Because like I say in, in my book, how to be a multi-hyphenate theater business conversation. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, it's right over here. This book available at all good booksellers. It's at the Drama Bookshop if you want to get it while you're in town. Anyway, so I say that there are four. It's very inherently Jewish, asking four questions. You know, like Passover. Why is why is this panel different from all other? Yes, exactly. Literally. So I ask, you know, when? So there's, so there's. That was good. Yeah. Yeah, I love it. I just almost spit out my. Like, uh, you know, this is great. We could all talk about the the ideas of multi-hyphenating, but, like, how do you implement it into your life? And I say, when you are figuring out, like, is this a hobby? Is this a side gig? Or is this a multi-hyphenate experience? Mm-hmm. Like, I ask myself four questions, and it's, for this thing, do I get paid for it? So I identify as an actor, photographer, producer, writer, podcaster, and educator. Do I get paid for it? Does it bring me joy? which is really important, right? We don't, if we're creating our own identity and it doesn't bring us joy, that doesn't make any sense. So do I get paid? Does it bring me joy? Do I have a paper trail? Like if you Google on me or go onto my social media, are you gonna learn that about me? Are you gonna see my work? Um, and the most important, well, it's not the most important, but it's, it's an important one, is does, do they cross-pollinate? So I think what is the difference between like, oh, I do all of these things, and people can list all of these things, but usually when we do, we incorporate our hobbies, our interests, and it's like, well, does that, isn't that gonna confuse you when you're becoming, maybe some of those skills affect the proficiencies, and like, maybe you could, it's like a subcategory, something like that, but cross-pollinating is really important because like, my income with photography helps me produce projects that I can be in as an actor, or my producing then helps me 
create this and then I'm there. But so, so they all should intertwine with each other. That way you can cut the fat and sort of you're not just like, I'm an actor, photographer, producer, writer, podcaster, educator, next door neighbor, uncle, <laughs> dog, dog, dog walker, dog lover. Plant it's like, daddy. okay, those are cool attributes to yourself. But like, so what for you all like are good methods of keeping your multi-hyphenate experience solid and strong? Like what is your workflow? When do you do your best work? How do you stay organized? Wow. Wow. I just swallowed my own saliva, so sorry. <laughs> I, w- one of the things that you said, asking the four questions, yeah. the four Passover <laughs> questions, joy, that's like, for me, that's at the top of my list. That's when I realized that I had more, I had more joy writing and creating art than I did actually performing in it. Mm-hmm. And then I realized that something was really up when I was prolific in the amount that I was creating. And so... For anybody here that is wondering, oh, what, what should I do? Can I do it? You absolutely can do it, but you need to be like prolific about it. Mm-hmm. And you need to create a body, a body of work because you never know what's going to hit. You know, I always had a million balls in the air. And I mean, LOL, talk about money. N- no money. To this day, no money. I have no money. But the thing that I, <laughs> the thing that I led with, you would think, but no, it's theater. <laughs> The thing that I led with, and what makes it kind of all okay, even not having a lot of money, is the fact that it was born out of such joy. Mm-hmm. And um, other things that really helped me uh, were creating a really uh, good schedule for myself. Mm-hmm. So I have like a bunch of writing partners, and three times a week we work for two hours a day. You know, you treat it, even though you're not getting paid for it, you treat it like an actual job. Mm-hmm. And I just think by you know throwing so many things at the wall and, and constantly doing it, it's only inevitable that if you stick with it long enough, that something will happen. So I hope that that helps anybody in any sort of I, way. I love that so much. I just, I want to say, say something I do myself, but I use language to really name it. You were saying treat it like a job. I, that used to trip me up because I would mm-hmm. go, oh, well, it's not a job. And I said, this is my work which I think is a much more activating word for me. You know, like, yeah, like I'm at work. And the exchange of of money, which is, by the way, going back to what El Morgan was talking about, is an exchange of energy and respect. Okay. Um, But that uh, I'm not necessarily going to my job. I am going to work. And it might become a job. The huge payout monetarily will come down the line. But I cannot sell air. I can only sell things that I have made and that will come from creating my own flow. So I, I just call it, I'm going to work, which mm, to me work helps. Flow. Workflow. Yeah. yeah, it helps me. I, I think I was just sharing with, with some friends that my new ritual in the morning is I wake up every day at seven. Uh, I know. Why? <laughs> oh, um, oh I'll, so, I'll still go to sleep at like 12 or one. Like I'm like, good oh, morning good everyone. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> But um, I mean, I'll you know I'll build I'll try to build in an app if I can. But my first client of the day is usually at 12 p.m. in my studio. But that gives me five hours to do some computer work and edit and stay on top of that. But the morning is when my brain works the best. Mm-hmm. That's when I'm waking up and I'm like, let's do this. And like I can think of eight million things I want to do. And but what I do right now is I make myself tea and I sit on my desk, which is by the window, and I listen to a cast album I don't know well. Oh, interesting. And I am downloaded with so much information, not only for myself, but for my friends. I'll text them and be like, there's this song in Rex, which was a musical in mm-hmm. 1976 that yeah. flopped about Henry VIII. Yep. It is, Richard Rogers. Yes, Richard Rogers. Uh, yeah, it's Richard Rogers and, and Richard Rogers. Lerner, 
Lowe, Frederick Lowe? No. Yeah, yeah. I think it is Frederick Lowe. So there's some great music in it, and it was like a total flop. But then, yeah, Sheldon Oh, right, Sheldon Harnett. May he rest. Yeah, right? And so, and I get to know a show that I don't know, and when I'm thinking about cabarets, concerts, whatever, I'm like, oh, that would sound amazing as like with like a country western twang or slowed down as a ballad or sped up, whatever, which is the agency that you have as your people ask me how do I how do I do a cabaret a concert something like that and I'm like well first of all point of view why do you do what you do why are you doing this but then well you got an hour to yourself what are you gonna do take Define Gravity and make it like a you know a, a, a swinging jazz song so many people already have but what's your perspective and um, that's what I think about at seven in the morning and then I slow down and then I welcome a new chapter of my day which is my client and mm -hmm. then I am the photographer and then I close the photographer uh, chapter and then I'm on to another hyphen multi-hyphenating I think a lot of people think is multitasking yeah no and it's not that's why I'm talking about workflow is because we're never like, unless we're hired to do it. Like when I produced Indoor Boys, right? I was on set as a producer, but I was also on camera B and amongst other things. So there were times where like Alex Wise and Wes Taylor, does anyone know Indoor Boys, the web right. series Indoor Boys? Yeah. Yep. I didn't so, that. Yeah. Oh, right. yeah, season two and three, I was the executive producer. Oh, and, um, and so uh, we, um, you know, there were times where Wes, Wes and Alex, wrote it, directed it, and, you know, produced it, and, and, um, there were times where it was, you know, there, it was, it was Alex behind the lens watching that scene and then giving notes, but then also in the scene, it, there is the switching, the active switching, there is a concept called SOTS, which is an Anne Bogart, uh, viewpoint sort of thing, which is really cool, and it's about, um, the SOTS, it's like, think of it like a train leaving the station, right? It comes to the station, you're either gonna get on the train or not, and it leaves. You have to like jump on that impulse or it's gonna pass you by. And that's sort of, in those situations, that's what multi-hyphenating can be, where it's like active switching, where it seems like multitasking, but it's not, it's active switching. And multi-hyphenating, when you're in your daily life and not in a pressure cooker environment like that, is you can create your own schedule. Seven to 11, I'm, I'm a, a theater student and a photographer editing their clients' photos and emailing and thinking about how I can produce something. And then I'm the photographer. And then who's to say what else happens based on my schedule? That's what multi-hyphenating is. It's not chaotic. It's not. It's, it's, does anyone have any experience like that? Mm -hmm. Like anyone uh, agree or disagree? Like how do you feel about that? I was going to say, everyone sounds, you all sound so wonderfully organized. Um, <laughs> I'm like, my head is a wreck. Um, it is quite chaotic in my brain. And so I am actually listening for tips as yes. we're sitting here for like ways to clean some things up. Workflow. Um, Workflow. Yeah, yeah. Because, because I will have all of the different things going at the same time in my head. And like yeah. I have constant... I have like an endless amount of notes in my G Gmail. I have drafts in my drafts Gmail folder. I have every little thought that I thought, oh, I need to do that. Oh, yeah. work on this. Oh, talk to this writer about this. Oh, okay, you can do this. Build the outline for this. And then you go back and look a couple days later and you're like, oh God, I can't do all this. What am I supposed to do? And it just sits there and it starts to pile and pile. And you're still taking on more and doing, yep. doing photo shoots and singing in cabarets and doing it. You're like, wait. I need to get a grip of myself again inside mm -hmm. of this. So do know that 
it is it is natural to fail. It is natural mm -hmm. to mess up. You will learn from all of those things. None of us are perfect. Mm -hmm. um, the the journey towards being a successful and healthy multi hyphenate is, is, is one that I think many people are working on yeah. constantly. How, does anyone have any relationship with failure? Because failure is a paradox, oh right? Mm -hmm. We have to fail in order to succeed, but I, we avoid failure. It's I like love failing. Weird, Mm -hmm. So, does anyone love failing? Like, what's no, the, what's I your relationship with failing? I love it. I hate it. I'm sure you love it. I <laughs> despise it. Well, but I failed for so long. Yeah, and I still do. I mean, but I, I failed over and over again. Uh, I mean, also, I think inherently as an actor, going into it, well, you know, you, you never fail going into an audition. But if you don't book something, don't book if, mm -hmm. and you get like to the you get to the finish line and you don't get it, you just get so used to that feeling, and it's it gets harder and harder for me anyway. Um, and then performing, oh my God, if I crack on stage, mm -hmm. then I will run off stage and cry like I'm 13 years old. So <laughs> I probably have to see a therapist about that. So I'll, I'll be seeing you after this. I will say, I think you brought something up that's really important, which is about, for me, a relationship to failure is equally about a relationship to how I personally define success. Mm -hmm. Because you can't, fail if you don't know what the success that you did not achieve is, right? And I think I, I, I use something that um, I like to think of, which is in, in, this, in greater society, we think a lot about vertical success, is how I name it, right? Where you think of like more money, more fame, more notoriety. And you know that, I think, I suppose, in the theater concept is like, Harold Hill in high school to Juilliard to Sutton level, Sutton Foster level validation, you know, like you, where it just, you go from success to success and very visible and you accumulate more and more and more recognizable means of being a success. And I guess for me, it's about acquiring what I like to call horizontal success, which is a, a breadth of experiences, a breadth, and I also mean human experiences, including failure. Um, you know, I think going back to my original point too, you know, there are people that I'm sure might look at, at my walking away from a fancy project as in some way a failure or the failure of a marriage or the failure of a communication in a family. Um, but I was actually really proud of how I handled it and it felt like a felt like um, a success of a strategic navigation away from something that was not bringing me joy that was not going to serve anyone and so that was to me like an example of a failure that I reframed because it was a successful extrication mm -hmm. and a realignment to something that was better for me and I, I, I wager better for the project too, but that's not my business. But I think if you think about success in a vertical way, you're never really going to pull into the train station. Mm -hmm. But if you think about it as acquiring experiences and masteries um, in a horizontal way, your life just gets richer. And that is yeah. always a success for me. Yeah. Thank, thank you. We have to wrap up. We're about to fail at our time yeah. constraint. Um, but I know that we have more thoughts, more wonderful things. So please, everyone, follow my wonderful panelists on Instagram or social media. Let's just go down the line right now where we can follow each other, starting with Al. I'm at Al Silbs. Um, A-L-S-I-L-B-S. See you there. I'm at Marla Mandel, and you can also follow at Titanic Musical, if you feel yes. like it. <laughs> at L. Morgan Lee. Mine's a little more complicated, and I'm shadow banned because I talk about sex, so you have to type it in exactly. It's at the 
right, W-R-I-G-H-T underscore Rachel, R-A-C-H-E-L. You can look at people I follow to follow, you know, all the good stuff. But um, so uh, thank you to Alan and Allison and Broadway Podcast Network. Thank you to Broadway Con. Um, I you have uh, 91 episodes of Dear Multi-Hyphenate out, including conversations with Carol Burnett, Rachel Brosnahan, Billy Porter, Carson Cressley, and so many more wonderful people. So please download, comment, subscribe, all of that good stuff. And so many more, so many incredible people. Um, I'm doing a Multi-Hyphenate work workshop starting August 31st. It is virtual with my two co-teachers. Um, so you can just message me on Instagram about that. And uh, please buy my book, How to Be a multi in Theater Business. It's available on Amazon and Drama Bookshop and all good stuff. Thank you, everyone. Thank you, Michael, for having us. Thank you, Michael. Oh, also, thank you again for joining us today. Don't forget to follow us at Broadway Podcast Network and listen to the episode when it airs on bpn.fm or wherever you get your podcast. Bye. Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E dot org because only together we rise.